Hi, this is Jay Baer of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. This is Anna Harak from Convince and Convert, and I am here with the always amazing Randy Frisch from Uberflip. Now, today, our guest is, uh, you know, I don't know how I feel about our guest today. Um, oh, wait, no, it's Randy. I love our guest today. Uh, there we go. This is going to be fun. I, I feel, uh, I, you know, this was nice because this is the one podcast I had to do no prep for. Right? Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, I don't know about you. I always do some prep, and and this one, yeah. I'm I'm gonna wing it. Yeah, I had much more prep to do for this one because it was <laughs> you know interviewing you, so I had to make the questions good and you know make sure I read the book first. So, but but we're spoiling everything. So we're here to talk about your new book. Right, my book with a title that you know this is this is probably that point because this is the teaser that we should warn people that this is, this requires censoring. So you need yeah. button, you know, ready to go, or, or we'll have maybe do that to the opening, but not, not the podcast itself. Yeah. The title of the book is thought content marketing, right? And I, and I've gotten a lot of questions, you know, around that, you know, we, we explain in the podcast what I mean by that, but you know, people being like, what, what type of dad are you? What type of guy are you that you just drop the F bomb like that? And I want to assure you that like in my house, we do not endorse the F bomb. It was actually cute. About a year ago, maybe not even my youngest, who's, who's now seven, uh, came home one day and he's like, uh, so I, I learned, I learned a bad word. Right. And he's saying this to my wife and I, we're like, okay, you know, what is it? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, you know, let's hear. We got to understand. And he's like, yeah, he goes, I learned show it. Right? What? Like, show it. But show it. He's like, you know, like, show it. And we, we, we realize that he's throwing an extra O in the middle there, right? Uh. Uh, and we're like, all right, all right. Like, you know, just go easy with that. You know, don't throw that around with all your friends. You don't want to nice, get trouble. Nice. Like, okay, okay. He goes, I learned another one too. And he turns to us and goes, fuck. Like oh. no hesitation. <laughs> just got it right. And we're just like, all right. So we're going to put a swear jar in place. And uh, so that was, that was the beginning of the swear jar in our house. Uh, and it's funny, you know, because we've started to do a, uh, a roadshow and, and a whole, I've been doing a whole bunch of talks on this. So I've actually been bringing the swear jar with me on location. Uh-huh. And every time I drop the F-bomb on stage, I donate $5 to charity. And nice. it's been great. Uh, we did it in Atlanta. Uh, and some of the other speakers who came on after me actually asked for the swear jar to come back so they could just, you know, throw in some charity. Oh, and that's a great idea. Off their chest, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we're having some fun with the book as we go. Nice. Well, you are definitely going to have to break out the swear jar for the podcast as well, because we say the full title of the book a couple of times. So everybody get your headphones on. Definitely don't listen to this at your speakers at work, Um, at least not the intro. But Randy, let's talk about the book, shall we? Sounds good. Perfect. 
Randy. How are you today? Good. I'm I'm kind of nervous to be on the hot seat on this one. Like usually it's you yeah. and me and we've got someone who we can kind of like, you know, make feel really good or, or really roast. And now I feel like it's my turn to be roasted. Yeah. I mean, it's a great way to build some empathy for our guests because you on occasion throw them some pretty good yet tough questions. So now I feel like uh, it's your turn and I actually have a pretty tough question for you. First off, obviously, we're here to chat about your new book. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's funny. I, I think if you were to look at my yearbook, you know, they always have like most likely to. If there was a least likely to, it was probably write a book. Yeah. I mean, that's a horrible thing to nominate someone for. I know. But, yeah. Maybe I would have gotten like finished reading a book. Uh, but <laughs> Okay. So my tough question for you, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a show here that we do weekly, the Content Experience Show, as you may or may not know. Uh, we talk a lot about content marketing. We interview a lot of guests about content marketing. And the name of your book is Fuck Content Marketing. Yeah. So Randy, I think you need to explain yourself a little bit. All right. So I will get to the point of explaining myself, but I'll, I'll tell you a funny part of it. You know, just landing on that as a title, which is, you know, and, and I believe we've spoken about the blog post that I wrote probably close to a year and a half at least, probably close to two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and it took me probably four months after I wrote that blog post until my team let me publish it because they couldn't get past the headline, which was fuck content marketing. Focus a on little that. controversial. Yeah, exactly. They were like, no, we are going to offend every content marketer who we interact with, who listen to your podcast, who do all these things. You can't do that. Now, I will get to explaining myself, but the funny thing is I obviously explained myself so well to them, setting up pressure here, that when it came time to the book, I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, my kids are going to see this thing. Like, I can't do it. I can't can't throw that F-bomb on the cover. Right. Yeah, you know, but they were like, no, this is this is the title. There's no other title because it is a rally cry. And it's, you know, it, it, as I dig into to explain I, I am not saying, you know, F content marketers. I'm not saying that we should stop content marketing. In fact, that was one of the debated names for the book was stop content marketing um, mm. by someone. But I was like, no, that's not the point. Like we should not stop creating yeah. content. It's more that state that you get to where we're like, well, if, if we're not going to do this right, we might as well fuck it. Right. Well, and also stop content marketing doesn't quite have that same stop in your tracks. Like what? Like cartoon eye popping level of like getting your attention. Yeah. And it's so I think a lot of this comes down to definition. I mean, I always go back to the definition of people like, you know, Joe and Robert. Robert's an upcoming guest for us on this podcast, Robert Rose Mm -hmm. uh, at Content Marketing Institute, where they spoke about the idea that content marketing is about creating content to attract a clearly defined audience. You know, and they go on to define you know, the type of content you should create and what right. its goals should be. But there is that idea of to attract an audience. And I'm not saying that when we just create content, we, we do it for the sake of you know, putting pen to paper and that we don't think about who we're writing for, but we don't think about that act of actually attracting the audience afterwards which is really everything that comes after the writing. It's like, how do we get that content in front of our audience, right? Amid, you know, tons of content out there that we're competing against around various messages that we're competing against. 
against even things like Netflix, which we're competing against as marketers, right? It's, it's share of time, share of right. wallet type of mindsets. Well, there's, I mean, there's just so much, yeah, there's so much grabbing for our attention these days. You're right. And, you know, actually even, even uh, Jay has, has talked about this as well, that it's like exactly your point where it's, it's everything is competing for our audience's attention. It's not just us versus our competitors. It's us versus the world. So, okay. So you are, are really taking that step back and looking at the traditional definition of content marketing. So how did you come to this conclusion of fuck content marketing? And, and how did you, because you have a great sub headline that kind of explains the next step. You don't just sort of make this proclamation and leave people hanging. You actually have a great sub headline for the book. Well, thank you. I, I actually wanted that to be part of the headline, but they told me it was a run-on sentence. So, yeah. <laughs> Grammar. There you go, the guy writing the book. But this, the sub-headline is focus on content experience to drive demand, revenue, and relationships, uh, which are all very important things that we need to focus on. The, my concern was people would be like, what the hell is content experience? So we had to start by saying, okay, let's kind of admit that content marketing has become defined in a certain way. And for mm-hmm. many of that, it, us, that is, content marketing is about the art of creating content. It's not easy. We put often too much pressure and too much expectation on our content creators to go beyond that. And we have to remember, a lot of them were journalists before, right? You know, they right. didn't have to worry about demand gen and funnels. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But should they be expected to figure out distribution strategies? Now, if they were writing for, you know, the Washington Post, they didn't have to figure out how to get that Washington Post in front of readers, depending on where they were at the time of the day. They just had to get really good, compelling content in there that when put in front of people, when distribution was figured out, it would be figured out. So we'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about who we put content in front of, Mm -hmm. but we, we we title that concept content experience, you know, and, and we explore that in the book for, for the majority of the book, to be honest, we introduce it in the first part. There's three parts of the book is, is how the book set up. So kind of like what's going on in the world today and why this matters. The second part, we get into a framework for scale. And the third is we take this back home to your org to say, who's going to own this type of thing. When, when we say content experience in, in the sub headline, what we're really getting at is this idea of, what is the experience? I know I'm repeating the, the definition. What is the experience when someone encounters your content, right? Well, and, I, and I think that's an important way to look at it because it's funny when when I'm out there. Sometimes I'll talk to someone, and this is either you know when when I see one of my sales guys, you know, trying to sell software, or when I'm talking to a marketer who's like, I kind of like that content experience thing, but I got a lot of content to create right now. We've got a big content push this quarter. I'm thinking content experience will be a Q4 thing for us. And right, you know, like we'll just slate it in later this year. Yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, it's that that'll be a good time for us to start to think about content or, or deliver a content experience. And I say that it's like, you got to remember whether you focus it on focus on it or not, doesn't mean whether it exists or not, right? Right. It's, you know, the, it's whether you the, pay attention to it or not, it's still happening. Yeah, it's whether you're delivering a great experience or a bad experience, an experience that wins you deals or loses you deals. No. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so funny. And I think, you know, we've all experienced 
content experience in some way, shape or form, whether we're, you know, trying to find a resource on a blog and we click something and it just like, you know, doesn't make sense or maybe it's just not great. And like the whole experience from article to article is terrible or, you know, just even the level of content depth that we're experiencing or just even the value of information we're providing, like there is still an experience that brands are providing, whether they realize it or not. Absolutely. And and as you touched on there, it's not, it, at times, content experience has nothing to do with the content itself. Mm-hmm. It has to do with everything that surrounds it. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll give you a great example. I, I mentioned this one in the book and, you know, by no means am I, am I suggesting people listening to this podcast do things this terrible. And if you do, you know, just forgive yourself and move on. But I, I, there's this example I highlight in the book. It actually was my dad likes to be my my sales development rep sometimes. Like he goes out and he's like, I've got this friend. He's got a website and you got to see what's going on on his website. I think it's a great opportunity for you to help him. And, uh, and, and this one website, it's hilarious. So they have this page of white papers, which first of all, like who goes to a website and says, I'm going to look at the white paper page, right? Like we say we have challenges Right. I challenge me regardless of format, but let's move beyond that. You get to this site and you click on the webinar or it's a webinar or an ebook. I'm not even sure which one it is. And to get that ebook in the moment, what you've got to do is you've got to click on a button that says to get this ebook, email Steven. Like, and I kid you not what happens. Steven. Well, Stephen is, I guess, their marketing guy or their gatekeeper. And it actually opens up an email in your inbox, you know, from your email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To email Stephen, you know, no subject or anything. And then in theory, as long as Stephen's not in the bathroom, you will get your your book in the next, you know, 10 minutes. It's hilarious. I do appreciate that we're already on a first name basis with Steven though. I mean, that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about emailing him directly about who knows what. Yeah, I, I, I to be honest, I'm, I'm not telling you his last name, and I actually blurred oh. it because I feel bad for Stephen. Yeah, no, yeah. Like Stephen needs a job, uh, <laughs> but maybe he doesn't deserve it. But he, he needs a job. So the reality is, we, we've got to climb beyond that, right. and that, that's just one aspect. You know when we think of content experience, there's so many that, that we touch on in the book. And, you know, we, we break these down around the idea of the environment, you know, which is kind of display and aesthetics and things like that. The structure, which is how we organize content so it can be served up. Uh, and then the last one would be engagement, which is kind of what we just talked about. Like, how do we get someone to engage in that content in the day? Nice. All right. So I want to jump more into this because obviously you kind of went over the framework there, but I want to dive into each one a little bit more. But before we do, let's take a quick break from our sponsors. So I know everybody, the drill. I know the drill. I know. I know. So everybody just to be able to sit here and see time fly. I know. Everybody hang in there. We are going to hear from a quick break from our sponsors. And when you're, we are going to be back with Randy to talk more about, about content marketing and the content experience framework. Hi, friends. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now. 
at uberflip.com slash Connex Show Report. That's uberflip.com slash Connex Show Report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at convinceandconvert.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Content Experience Show. We are here with Randy Frisch, um, your always amazing co-host of this podcast. And we're talking about his new book, Fuck Content Marketing. So we kind of talked before the break about... uh, Randy first had to explain himself. And then we kind of talked about why content experience matters and what that looks like. But Randy, you actually in the book give a framework for developing a content experience. And obviously, you know, we don't want to give away everything. And there's a lot more that we could ever go into detail here. But what are some of those basics of the content experience framework? How do we actually start to get to a place where we're thinking about this proactively? We're not just slating it into Q4 of this year. How do we make it a thing that we are actually consistently making a better experience for our audiences? Agreed. Uh, So first off, you know, the the first question is, why do we even need a framework? right? Like, why do we ever need a framework? I implement frameworks, acronyms, any way to shorten the way I think when I think about scale, right? And and one of the things I love doing, I, I'm fortunate sometimes, I know you do this too, Anna, when, when you get to do one of those round tables at an event or something, and you're kind yeah. of like organizing, one of the go-to questions, like when those round tables is like, tell me about that really cool time where you executed an awesome marketing campaign. Right. right. And then everyone goes around. And then sometimes I like to just like throw throw a ripple and be like, so who did that marketing campaign and scaled it beyond the really one successful example you told me? Right. And everyone just kind of shyly puts their hand down. Right. Because a lot of us struggle at figuring out how to take a great idea and do it over and over and over again. And that's the same thing when we talk about content experience. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, we're living today in a world that is all about personalized experiences, right? And we, we touch on this in the opening of the book with, you know, the way we experience content at Netflix and Spotify and so many different examples where we, you know, we love the experience that we get, but they do it every time, right? Like mm-hmm. thousands of people in a room, we all bring out our phone, open up Spotify. We all have a made for Randy, made for Anna mix, right? right. Like that is true scale. So the question is, how are we going to achieve experiences like that at scale as marketers? And that is what the framework is really designed to accomplish. The five stages I'll kind of give to you, and you can decide which ones we kind of dig into here. Uh, The first step is to centralize. So figuring out what content we have, bringing it into one place. The second step is to organize. That's where we get into tagging. Not really the sexy stuff, but you know the stuff that's really important end of day. Uh, the third step in there is to personalize. Uh, that's the fun part, to be honest. That's where we get to be creative. But remember, we're not just going to do this once. We may be doing it you know, for a whole bunch of ABM accounts. Mm-hmm. We may be doing it from an inbound strategy, very top of the funnel, by vertical, by industry, things like that. Uh, and there's so many other ways that we personalize. The next step is to distribute. This is the part that mo- most of us just kind of think, all right, well, I created content. I'll put it up on my blog and I'm kind of done distributing, right? 
So we skip that part of being able to contextualize. And the last aspect of the framework is generating results. And, and that should happen through the efforts you do in the first four steps, but it's making sure you have the right infrastructure in place to understand what's working for you in terms of the content you're putting out. First off, love that framework. Super easy to follow um, and very repeatable. I would love to talk about personalization um, because I think what we oftentimes have in mind, you know, you gave that great example of Spotify and how, you know, if we were to open up our apps right now, we would get custom playlists or even based on the things we've listened to, you know, it even goes beyond that. But a lot of times personalization doesn't always have to be that complicated, right? You know, so where does sort of your personalization lie within the book? Is it as like personalized as like Amazon and and Spotify? Or is it even doing little touches like knowing what somebody has viewed before or, you know, being able to retarget them with specific messages? Like what exactly does that personalization look like? Right. Uh, it's It's a great question. I think a lot of marketers hear personalization and then they do one of those word maps and all of a sudden it's like AI and data science yeah, and machine learning. And you're like, oh my God, how do I do that? I yeah, it can be overwhelming. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny. It, this, this example is not in the book, but I've recently become a huge Peloton fan. Do you know what Peloton Oh is? God, yeah. Everybody, everybody. So you've fallen into the Peloton crap um, as well. I'm I mean, I, I, I bet it's amazing. I'm, je- I'm just jelly over here. But the cool part that they do at a very basic is like you identify yourself and say, this is the type of music I like to work out to. And then I can go down that path. Right. But, but we do it by music type, you know, or we do it by workout type or the amount of time that we have, et cetera. It's not like, you know, biking versus running versus, you know, whatever type of workout. Now they have that too. Now take that into the content world it's important that we still give people the ability, like we, we kind of mocked it earlier, but you know, here's our white papers, here's our yeah. webinars, et cetera. But that next level of personalization is truly starting to understand who we're marketing to right. and delivering them content that's mapped to those interests because people are not going to take the time to kind of like search through your content, right? Like, you know, take it back to that Netflix example. Don't you hate having to type the type of you know stuff you're yeah. looking for. We're just looking for that instant click, you know, two to the right, one down, and there we are. That's the type of content that I'm looking for. So what we have to do as marketers, we have to figure out ways to understand where someone's at and start to deliver those personalized experiences. You touched on on a couple of cool ways though that we can start to get really more, you know, one to one or one one to account, if you will. Um, and you touched on retargeting. You're mm-hmm. asking about. And, and so there's an example that we call it in the book, a uh, really bright marketer. Uh, his name's Daniel Day. He's at a company called Snowflake. And what they're doing that's really cool is when they go to the point where they say, okay, we want to sell to Coca-Cola, right? Uh, or we want to sell to Uber, no relation to Uber Flip, Uber like the car company, right? Right, right, right. And they will create for each of those accounts a dedicated page with content. Now, when they deliver an ad through a platform, say like Terminus or whatever you're using to do some of your retargeting, the visual in the ad maps the experience that they land you on. So that if they show in the ad, which a lot of us see these days, it's like your logo with you know the company's logo that's trying to sell to you. When you get to that destination, it's just as personalized, right? And I think yeah. that's the part that some of us don't connect is 
we expect our demand gen team is going to figure out all the ad side, right? But then we're kind of waiting on the content team to curate this homepage of content and no one does. So we just link to whatever URL that we can find on our CMS. Right. Like, I guess this does the job. So we're good. Right. The content's there. They'll find it. Yeah. Giant question mark. So real quick, we're coming up on a little bit of time here, but you had touched on something that I, you actually said it wasn't really the sexy side, but I think it is because in order to deliver these experiences, we do have to have our content organized and tagged and our assets organized and tagged. So what is even a great way that people can go about doing that? Because you can't tell the system to go deliver X, Y, and Z piece of content unless it can identify that this is the pathway, this is like what relates to this whole system. So what's even a great way that marketers can start to organize their systems and their content? Sure. So it it actually brings up a great question more generally about the book. Because a lot of people, you know, my day job is CMO at Uberflip. They're like, is this just like a full out promotion for Uberflip? And I really limited the number of Uberflip mentions I had in the book because this is not a technology book. This isn't like how to go and buy technology to do what you want to do. One of the things I actually always say is tech should be the last thing you buy. You know, you should invest in great people, make sure they have a great process. And then when things are starting to break, as we talked about today, you know, with scale, maybe you put in technology. But so, you know, in the book, you know, we actually break this down to some ways to, to really just, you know, get things started in, in something that can scale for you in the early stages. So, you know, when it comes to auditing and tagging content, you know, call me old school, but like Google Sheet or Excel spreadsheet, yeah. like that's where you should be starting. Like, don't go buy some technology to do this on day one. You know, your rows are simply your pieces of content. Your column is, you know, column A is obviously the asset, you know, column B maybe is the, you know, the URL of its original source, things like that. Then you get into metadata and keywords, but then two of your, two of your columns, depending on how you set up, one should be external tags. Like what are people searching for that this should come up for? But, but one that I think a lot of companies don't audit their content for is what are the internal tags? Like, what is the rest of your organization probably searching for mm-hmm. to find that content? Because I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have with the content marketing assets we've created, right? And that's, you know, one of the reasons I say fuck content marketing is like, there, there's a stat that we uncover in the book. It's 70% of content created goes unused, right? And, and that's just scary. It, oh my God. Like yeah. even just the time, like the hours of life spent on that makes me it's, just sad and that's why like f it right like it's just right what's the point in having content marketers what's the point in slaving over that ebook if it'll never be read right it's just it is sad like you said and and that is why we get dig into this idea of you know when you're auditing make sure that the things that people will search for internally will allow it to be served however that is right like you know Maybe you're going to make this Google Sheet accessible to your entire organization, not to edit per se, but right. you know, to view and to comment on. Um, or maybe you'll eventually, you know, graduate into a content experience platform so that people can find it better and you know give you feedback and things like that. But the the key aspect there, you know, and, and that's why to your point, it's it's not the sexy part, but it I is, think it's it the, the most. Part. 
I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a big organizer. But I'm even, defending it. I'm, I'm I, falling on my sword for this. I felt guilty, right? I'm just like, let's create <laughs> another cool piece of content. I know. Right? But, but if we take the time to organize it, all of a sudden we realize we have more content. You know, I right. gave that example of the, of the person at the beginning of the podcast who says, you know, content experience is going to be this Q4 thing for me because right now I got to create content. Right. You have 70% of your content unused probably. Right. Yeah, you know, that marketer was yeah. in a big global organization. And even think too, like you brought up the demand gen team and how, you know, they're responsible for, for visibility and getting people to the content. And it's like, if they even had a list of assets, they could say, oh, cool. We have this amazing campaign. We could run for this piece of content. Let's go ahead and use it. Like having that centralized system that's organized and, and, you know, has those pathways and has that external and internal organization, like it just creates efficiencies and amazingness. So it also locks in our audience, right? It was funny. I, I, I was on the road doing one of our talks at a Connex tour. And uh, the day before I'm working on my deck and I get this email and it was just like, this email was a gift as terrible as it was because it, it allowed me to make fun of not a Steven this time, but a Danny. And Aww. Danny sent me this email where he, you know, seemed to get what I do. And, you know, he was a sales rep trying to sell to me. And, but when, when he linked me to this, webinar pre-recorded webinar that i clicked on because i was curious it took me to youtube and i was just like youtube you know like this is a sales rep he thinks this is an important asset and he took me to youtube and if you look on the right hand side at the other recommended content that came up next Mm -hmm. one was like was a competitive video right (laughs) And right. another one was 10 Keys to Success by Warren Buffett that had 7 million views. And I don't know about you, but like, I want to be successful. I want to know what Warren Buffett had to say. Yeah. I completely forgot what Danny was selling me. Yeah, and that's what happens to so many of us when we can't control the content experience, when we can't control right. the journey. As we said at the beginning, you know, you're delivering a content experience. It's whether it's winning the deal or losing right. the deal. Totally. Well, and, and, you know, not to be too harsh on these, on these poor guys, cause they're probably doing the best with what they have. I and mean, we've all been, uh, Danny's and Steven's at some point, or we've all done things like that, but to help us be better and help us create the content experience, Randy, where can people pick up this book and when officially is it available? Absolutely. So the book is available on March the 6th. The best place to go get it is Amazon. If you want to read a little bit more about the book, we have a site set up, which is b-rand.com, which I, I don't know if you know this, Anna, because like, I think you call me Randy, but like most of my friends outside of work, they call me Rand. Like that's, yeah, that's all with that growing up. That was, that was it. So we thought it was kind of clever yeah, when I was coming up with my own brand site and things like that, you know, brand B dash mm. it's it, it takes a little too much explaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that, yeah, but that. uh, but that's that's the best place to go to to learn about the book and get access to the book. You know, go there now. You can also download download an excerpt of the book there as well. Fantastic. All right, everybody, go pick it up. Leave us a review. Leave leave the book a review wherever you buy it, um, and let us know what you think. Brandy, thank you so much for being on and talking about the book today. Um, we also are going to do exactly what we do with all of our other guests, which is uh, now that we got to know the professional side of you and we talked about the book, we're going to put you in the hot seat for the personal questions. So um, you up for it? Uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous what you've been working on behind scenes, but I'm up for it. 
Well, we will just have to see. Um, so everybody hang in there, stick around, and we are going to come back and talk to Randy about some personal questions right after this. All right. So Randy, yes. the whole book is about content experience. Life is about experiences. So what is one of your favorite experiences in life? And I purposely oh left this vague this is, and broad because this is like... So, so, so yeah, I'm going to get all mushy, I guess. But it was funny. We, we were going... On the weekends, I go north of Toronto to go skiing in the winter. And, uh, you know, we always put a movie in the, in the uh, car in the backseat for the kids. Um, so we've watched the same movie way too many times. Uh, and my wife the other day grabbed our wedding video, right? And which honestly we never even watched. Like it was some of those things we watch year after year. We, we've been you know, married over 12 years now. And she, she put it into the player and like the kids were like loving it. She ended up like leaving the front seat with me to watch it. So, so <laughs> then the so next- You were like, you were like a lift up to the vacation. It was, it was hilarious. Within it was also, uh, for another time, it was like the proposal I did, which was a video of all ah. things. So anyway, so the next day, my son, uh, my youngest, who's seven, and I, we were walking through a shopping mall way to get him something. And he turns to me and goes, you know, dad, what was the best day of your life? Right? Uh, and he, he, he looks at me kind of like, you know, grilling me. He goes, was it when you married well? Right. And, and I said to him, I said, oh, dude, that's a hard question. I said, because as, as great as my wedding day is, I think having kids mm. tops that, right? Mm-hmm. Like having kids and, you know, the day they're born, but all the experiences that come from that, they're amazing. And, and this is not me trying to like assure you I'm a nice guy, even though I drop an F-bomb on the cover of my book. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, the, this is the truth, right? I mean, you know, having kids is the best experience, you know, that I can ever, ever imagine. And uh, I'm very lucky to have done it three times with Ethan, who's 11, Lila's nine and Ryan's seven. So nice. Well, look yeah. at that. That's awesome. I think that's, that's, that's an amazing response to the life experience question. Um, even if bring your parent to, um, to school day is going to be a little awkward when you have to explain that you've written a book and you can't actually tell them what it's about. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a little uncomfortable at home, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're working our way through it. Uh, Especially when you're trying to tell them not to use that word. Yeah, we're like, you can't watch Deadpool, but... But your dad can write a book about... Yeah, exactly. yeah. If, if you have not seen Deadpool, it is quite vulgar. Uh, yeah, in, in the best way possible. Yeah, they've actually made a Once Upon a Deadpool. Have you seen it? I haven't. Oh, it's amazing. It is a PG-13 version of Deadpool where it's Deadpool 2. They've they've toned it down. They drop shit a lot, which is yeah. really okay in PG-13. But the, they, they've inserted this whole subplot where uh, Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds, uh, kidnaps Fred Savage. Oh and, my God. And he rebuilds the room from Princess Bride. Yes. And oh. The movie. It is. I've seen clips of it. Yes. All right. I need to go do that. Um, yeah, do it. 
It's fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, Randy, thank you so much again for um, chatting about the book. Um, Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Go ahead and do us a favor and leave us a review. um, Leave us a comment wherever you listen to this. um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you listen. Until then, or until next time, I should say, happy listening and we'll talk to you all soon. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. The Content Experience Show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.